0: Hey everyone, this is Jared of the Psynautical Podcast. If you're into holistic health, philosophy, and spirituality, come check out and listen to my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and elsewhere.
1: Welcome to the Lifelong Health and Fitness Conversations Podcast. In this episode, I interview Andy Travis, the creator of Unshakably Fit, for the second time. This week, we speak primarily about nutrition guidelines that he provides his clients and the guidelines that he follows himself for his goals. Finally, Andy breaks down the three simple things his clients do for success. Now on to our conversation. Welcome, Andy, to the podcast.
0: Great to be here again. I definitely enjoyed uh, the last experience. And uh, more importantly, I sent it to, I guess, some people that I would call my closest advisors and... uh, they said it was awesome, so I got I got approval from the from the core group, if you will, which is really oh, good. Did they? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Great. So, um, have you received any new clients from the podcast yet?
0: I uh, have not from the podcast. No, however, uh, the discussion of the order of operations that uh, we went over did help one of my current clients, uh, Wise, jump on board. So that was pretty exciting. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That's good. So not directly from that <laughs> podcast audience, but from someone that I knew who heard the podcast and a bell rung in their head finally just what they were looking for.
1: Good. Well, you know, sharing information different ways can do the trick for different people. Yes, ma'am. So I wanted to talk about, um, expand on the topics that we covered in the last podcast. Last podcast, we talked about the fundamentals of fitness that you use for your unshakably fit program. But this time I kind of want to talk about misconceptions that people have about fitness and some other topics. So for example, in recent years, uh, fasting has been promoted as a legitimate way to lose fat and maintain good health. What are your thoughts on fasting? And do you believe it's a trend that will eventually pass?
0: It's definitely a trend. Uh, You know, we we as human beings like trendy things and we get bored of trends when the next trend uh, comes into play. So I, I would say that, yes, it is a trend, and it will, it will disappear as far as being something so mainstream. However, the effectiveness of it is kind of where it, is, is where it has always existed, so to speak. So it's, it's, it is a very effective uh, program or, or concepts. We'll get to answering that question now. It is effective, and it can work. Uh, and there are many different ways to do it. To give you an example of how I do it, I fast about once or twice a week, really just depending on how I feel. When I get up in the morning, if I'm not hungry, I don't eat. Uh, sometimes I can last up to 10, 8, 12 hours before I eat something. Uh, so I do know that it works as kind of a, uh, a check to make sure that you're not overeating and that your body's, uh, you're giving your body the time to burn off all the excess energy that you've consumed. So it is effective. In uh, the grand scheme, too, as far as probably the most common understanding of it, you Develop a window in which you eat in, so you may eat between four o'clock and ten four p.m. and ten p.m. And the rest of the day you're fasting. That's also, or that is a, uh, it's, that's a very primal and I guess almost a, a like a biological concept that we we survived on that concept for a long period of time. Uh, even even once we became agricultural societies, we still would typically eat maybe once or twice a day. Spend most of our day gathering what we need for the meal and then eating in the afternoon. So. It's kind of like a primal, a, a primal um, a gear that's in our body. So we know that it can be very effective because it kept us alive for a long period of time and also kept us healthy as we could be uh, with the minimal resources that we had. So you can kind of see how we know that, yes, history supports it as a very effective way to live healthy. Uh, yes, it is also a trend, uh, but I'll, I'll, finish with, I'll finish with kind of my, my slogan, if you will. If you do the work and develop a fasting program, collect the data – You will get results from it if you do the work. Uh, Yeah, we'll leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Okay. But um, would you say that it's stressful um, and that's why, or I would say for my philosophies, because I don't believe in stressing myself out too much. So would you say that would fall into why it might eventually die as a trend is it's not sustainable for some people who don't like stress
0: Yes, I think I would definitely say yes to that. Uh, and yes, uh, I mentioned earlier that like human beings are trendy. And as we, I think, as we can clearly see in a lot of data we collect in the psychological realm, there are less humans who will adopt something for a long period of time until they find success, as opposed to humans who will get bored and look for something new. And, um you know, with, with fasting, yes, I think people do get bored of either A, the stress. You know, it's a lot of work to completely change your lifestyle, especially when we're used to feeding three times a day. Uh, that's a lot of stress on the body, a lot of stress on the mind that most people don't necessarily have the, the, the time or patience to endure because of the other aspects of their life. So that can promote somebody to want to move away from it. Um, uh, just, just boredom or not enjoying it, not finding joy in it can, can make someone want to move away from something like that. And I guess you could say those are all different forms of stressors. Um, I'll add, um,
1: another stress could be like, um, say someone has a history of eating disorders and that could be another stressor. It like triggers a negative history that they had. So, you know, that could be stress, stressful as
0: well. Yeah. Great example. Honey, that's probably probably a more common example that people would experience personally, which you just mentioned.
1: Okay. And, um, going on fasting still, um, I know in the bodybuilding community or the fitness community, or even when you read um, a lot of personal training courses, they say eat every two and a half to three hours. And um, that kind of gets you to where you feel like you have low blood sugar or you get sick after a while if you don't eat every two and a half to three hours. So, do you think that might be unhealthy um, eating every two and a half to three hours to the point where you're pretty much addicted to food? Is it really that much more effective than? You know fasting as far as keep retaining muscle
0: objectively speaking one is not better than the other you can find success on either the proof is in the pudding there are bodybuilders of all worlds all all methodologies uh finding success in this world and either practice eating every two and a half hours or the fasting practice so objectively scientifically they will both work uh subjectively I'll tell you why I eat every two to three hours between about 6 a.m. and about 7 p.m. I really like to eat. That's it. I enjoy the process of eating. So I, get, yeah. I make it where I can eat a lot every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just enjoy it. Um, so therefore, fasting is not something I like to do regularly because I enjoy eating. And yeah. uh, to, to tie in my slogan once again, if you do the work, it'll work for you. Because I've been a, a functioning this way for such a long period of time, my body is adapted to these protocols, which is kind of the, high, the idea of the trend. Like if, we, if we get trendy with our, with our nutrition, we're never really going to find any sort of success that we're really looking for. We'll only find momentary success with each, success, with each change. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you, you stick to fasting for 10 years or if you stick to eating every two and a half hours for 10 years, you're going to find the success you're looking for just strictly out of allowing the body time to adapt to our psychological desires, such as my simple desire of, I love to eat. It's why I was a fat teenager, and it's why I started exercising, so I wouldn't wouldn't have to stop eating.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I'll just clarify what I stated, because speaking is not its an imperfect medium, but um, what I was stating earlier was fasting, it might seem... Uh, counterproductive for building muscle mass and retaining muscle mass. So, I just wanted to clarify that if anyone gets confused about my prior statement. So, let's move on to some other common topics that people get stuck in when they're starting the fitness journey. Another one is carbohydrates. So, there are a lot of diets, not so much anymore, that uh, say, you know, cut out carbs. They don't really seem to divide the types of carbs like starches from fibrous carbs, processed carbs, from, you know, whole grains, non-processed carbs. So what are your thoughts on the emphasis on carbohydrates in many diet regimes and um, how some of those regimes say that all you really need to do is remove those carbohydrates?
0: I think this is where, this, at, at this point, I would, I would probably point out the different body types, the endo, meso, and ecto more, if you're familiar with those three basic ones.
1: Yeah, um, a, a good resource would be uh, Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle for listeners to uh, learn a bit more about that. Yeah,
0: man. Great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so to that point, I think that kind of was where you need to go to answer that question. I, I, uh, I definitely believe that that, uh, that simple understanding of how the body stores fat or doesn't store fat, uh, which is the main difference in those, uh, those, those three different um, body types. I do fully believe that does give us a really good guide on the kind of stuff that we, we can function the best off of. When what I've found simply is, um, for myself very subjectively, I tend to store more body fat. Therefore, the more fat I have in my diet, the more my body will become uh, as efficient as possible, or to, to use a simple term, it'll lean out. It'll get rid of any excess fat because it knows it's got the fat that it needs. Cause that's a, apparently a macronutrient that my body likes to have a lot of mm-hmm. whenever I don't eat high fat diets. Um, I do tend to, um, to put on a little extra weight, hold on a little extra body, body weight. None of, it's health, none of it's unhealthy. You know, I'm very, I'm very nitpicking right here, just so you know. Like This is like a very uh, nitpicking, like aesthetic uh, research project of my body of how different macronutrients affect it. Uh, so to kind of like apply that example, because I tend to hold more fat, fat is more, more effective for me. For those of you that tend to, um, you know, typically you're, you're the ectomorph, the very lean individuals who don't store a lot of body fat, they typically tend to thrive better off of carbohydrate-based diets. Uh, their body tends to have such a high metabolism that they need that slow release that typically comes from a carbohydrate as opposed to a protein or a fat. Uh, so that slow release can help them put on muscle mass, maybe put on some extra body fat, which is going to significantly help them put on muscle mass. The, the other micronutrients might not uh, allow for that to happen, if you will. Uh, this is very much a uh, just a research um, perspective and opinion just from working with clients over my years, I've come to recognize it's a very simple way to approach this process. Uh, Carbohydrates aren't bad. Uh, You mentioned earlier, people don't really take the time to differentiate between the types of carbohydrates and there in itself is a big failure and a big reason why the carbohydrate is demonized. It's very, 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 very misunderstood. Um, But yeah, yeah. There you go. We'll leave it at that. I think it answers both your questions. <laughs>
1: okay. So um, talking about uh, the different soma types, the endo, meso, ecto, do you um, when you're working with clients, do you have them fill out like a survey to figure it out or is it working with them? And do you kind of determine over time, what body type they fall under or.
0: I've observed over the years that the, the distribution of fat around the body is kind of a dictator of which of the body types you are going to be. Uh, I don't want to elaborate too much on that, but I'll start with saying that uh, because of that that observation, uh, the body composition is a very, 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 very important metric to me. And it's something that I track in all of my clients. I have tracked it for over a decade and a half in many different forms.
1: So it's observation and um, basically the distribution of body fat.
0: Yeah. The, the, and, you know, I guess to really answer questions, the body composition is the main metric that I think is very important to, uh, to measure whenever you're working with an individual.
1: Okay. Very much so. Earlier, I mentioned that book, Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle. Have you read it at all?
0: No, I have not, but I'm extremely familiar with the concept. I see the pictures all the time. And it's, yeah. a, very, it's, a, very, it's a very fundamental physiological concept that, they're, uh, that they've, uh, they've done a good job of presenting, for sure.
1: Yeah. So that book does list some characteristics So that was the only reason I was curious if you did a survey. Um, But it kind of helped me determine. I know I'm more of an endo, meso, but mostly endo, unfortunately.
0: Um, Unfortunately, knowledge is power. Now you know you can work it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it did help a bit there. So um, can you give like a sample day of meals for yourself or maybe for those different body types, endo, meso, ecto, or how you might change it for different body types?
0: Yeah, I'll give you a, a quick readout of uh, my daily nutrition. It's fairly, it's fairly consistent, minor changes. Uh, typically a breakfast is uh, eggs and bread, just some toast. Hydrate mix of about 33% of all of them. Usually my first snack of the day is going to be something like fatty and fruity, like a uh, peanut butter, uh, some uh, almonds with cranberries. Uh, then my lunch is usually going to be, typically is going to follow that same 33 33 33 protocol as far as what i'm going to eat in my, my lunchtime and then my dinner i typically tend to go less on the carbohydrates at dinner and heavier on the fats for that comment i mentioned earlier about my body tending to thrive with more fats so i end my my day with a very fatty meal but to really break it down what i'm looking for every single day is about a 40 percent carb 40 percent fat 20 percent protein macro split that's the ga- the gauge that i'm looking for my guidelines and metrics i'm trying to hit uh how i would change that for somebody i really like to start out with just balance which is 33% on everyone if i'm writing someone a hardcore nutrition plan i'm just going to make you try and split it 33 33 33 of each of your fats carbohydrates and proteins just so that we establish a very simple foundation you know i don't i don't necessarily work too much on your history i work more on your future uh, and by by working on your future we set some parameters we work within and we collect data to make those changes uh, so you know i guess for you for example I would probably start to, I'd probably put you on something very similar to, the, to what I'm doing, which is 40 carb, 40 fat, 20% protein. Uh, if you say you're the endo meso because that's more, I would say I'm more Meso, uh, but definitely leaning towards that endo side of it. So I'd probably move you up to something like that, just because I understand that can work and then go from there. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a million ways you could approach that. And it really would be very subjective to the client. But to, to use you as an example, based off of my single day, And then if you wanted to fast to bring around full circle, I would just simply include that same thing in your feeding period. So it wouldn't have to be every two and a half hours like mine is, it would just be your feeding period within that, that, that area. Uh, So yeah, another, another way that we could potentially mold my day to use uh, for someone else's success.
1: Okay. Yeah. I can never fast uh, too
0: stressful. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Don't do it. (laughs) If you can, my, my wife, I tell you what, like, Oh, I forgot to eat today. Like how, what? Like I get, I get out of bed and actually I'm not even awake yet. I wake up and and, and breakfast was already on my mind.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wonder, you know, I'm sure fasting is good if there's ever like a major war or something and you're used to it because otherwise you'll just pass out and, (laughs) you
0: know, if you're
1: eating so much.
0: It is one of the many tools that we can use in fitness. Um, you know, I use these tools, as I mentioned earlier, I occasionally fast just because I want to make sure that I'm not piling on extra calories that my body's having to store. So I use that as a tool just to check myself to make sure I'm not overeating. It's also, um, they can also just be like a real simple reset. You know, uh, say, you're, say you're going to start a new, a new program, maybe on, on Monday of next week or Tuesday after Labor Day, you make a commitment to start a, a, a vegetarian program. Well, fast for a day or so fast two or three days in a row and, and, and eat healthy and clean and really allow your body to kind of come back to a very simple homeostasis before you start off on this no, new plan it's almost like getting a blank sheet of paper as opposed to trying to erase an entire sheet and write new stuff on top of it so it can be it's, it's a very effective tool for that as well um you know in our day and age to kind of get a little philosophical with it efficiency and convenience is very key and that seems to be one area where fasting tends to fail Uh, as it can be very inconvenient to eat the food that people need in a short period of time with the schedules that people possess, which I guess would fall under your stress category.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just, uh, well, when I was younger, I did, you know, have a bit of an eating disorder. So for me, it just takes me back to a silly way of trying to combat a problem, you know, so I just don't, I just don't go there it has
0: yeah, to, to be to, way to know yourself that's all awesome. yeah it
1: has to be sustainable for me 100
0: percent. yeah 100 percent. that's the goal for you doesn't matter what anybody else thinks You does it got to be sustainable for you
1: yeah so can you restate your snack again because your connection went out a little bit and i want to make sure everyone hears <laughs> your snack you said it's a, a little uh, fatty and sweet i think
0: yeah uh, sure. a fatty and fatty and fruity uh, that's, fun. that's simply it. like bananas and, and uh, bananas and peanut butter or um, salted uh, pistachios and some cranberries or almonds and apricots. Or uh, if I've had a, if I've got a, like a really big weightlifting session that night, I'll slap some banana peanut butter jam on a piece of bread and just eat it, which I actually did today. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a nice little weight workout this afternoon, so I need the extra extra carbohydrates for the fuel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so are your,
1: do your meals normally follow a specific outline? Like, for example, like a lean protein, uh, unprocessed carb, and a fibrous carb, like uh, veggies. And you could just swap it out, you know, swap out the source of protein, swap out the source of carb, swap out. So it's like a template.
0: Yes, 100%.
1: 100%. Okay. And then toward the evening, for you specifically, you just cut out the carbohydrate portion. Correct, Correct, the starchy carbohydrate portion.
0: Starchy carbohydrates to be specific. Your grains, your breads, your other things, pastas, crackers, you can think those things tend to go. I'll have lots of vegetables like, uh, I don't know, uh, the buffalo chicken salad my wife makes. It's got avocado in it, tomatoes, bell peppers, banana peppers, bum, bum, all kind of vegetables, and a little bit of buffalo chicken in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds good for uh, an evening meal. You and do, you do. cut out the starches because it's a uh, energy energy food would you say
0: yeah that's that, that would be a safe statement to say it's not specifically why i cut it out for my own personal diet uh but yes if uh you know if if you're not planning on doing a whole lot of work the day after to have a heavy carbohydrate meal would be a bit counterintuitive fundamentally speaking yes however okay. if you were if you were going to you know um Going to go run five miles the following day, and you normally only run like two and a half to three miles. I would probably encourage you to have a not a whole lot of carbohydrates, but have some carbohydrates at dinner time to help fuel yourself for that excess work you'll be doing. Yeah, fundamentally, I would say no, no carbohydrates at dinner.
1: Okay, and then um, as far as cheat meals, uh, do you incorporate cheat meals uh, when you have clients? Do you let them have like one cheat meal a week, or do you plan those or
0: we don't call them sheet mills, but yes, okay. yes, uh, we do. We do allow, um, to use the percentages again, so to speak, like say I'm looking for a uh, 40, 40, 20 macronutrient split for myself, uh, or for a client, excuse me. And, uh, I'm, you know, they don't really know this percentage, so to speak. They just get their, their list of things they, that they're supposed to be eating and their grocery list and they go buy it, make it eat it. Uh, so say I'm going to do something like that, I would, say, I, would throw, I would ask them for a list of their favorite desserts, and that just gets thrown into their calories for the day. So was, uh, an example for myself that I use is I freaking love dark chocolate morsels, about 70% cocoa, dark cho- or cacao, dark chocolate morsels, best thing in the world. So when I have them, if they last more than two or three days around the house, I'm putting them into my nutrition for that day as for what they are. Because you know, fundamentally, they are a fat. Uh, fundamentally, they are a sugar fundamental what else is in those cocoa morsels that i don't even know about uh but you see how like macronutrient they're a carbohydrate uh they're a fat and even a small amount of protein thrown in there just from the mixture of, yeah. of the components uh so it, it still gets incorporated as that 40 40 20 split it's just part of the 100 percent that we're taking in so i guess we don't really ever get rid of the things that we enjoy in life uh, there has to be some sort of you know, there's, there's a whole lot of ancient Proverbs. The Asians tend to talk about this a lot. I think it's uh, I think it was the Chinese is where I heard this from, but it's very big in all the cultures about there needs to be some bitterness and some sweetness every single day in your life to show you the parameters and the extremes of, of, of life. Yeah. Which means you know, for me, the bitterness is, um, I don't know, having to eat, eat something that I don't necessarily care to eat because I just, you know, it's good for me. And the only other options I have are bad. So I want to take yeah. the best option for myself. So I choose it. So that's the bitter. But the sweet is after I finish dinner, I can grab a handful of those morsels and pop them in my face. Hole and I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. That's my joy. That's my sweetness. Uh, so to incorporate that concept every single day is very important. So the idea of cheating, you know, psychologically cheating is, is a negative concept. Uh, that's, you know, no one wants You get caught cheating. You, many things can happen. Your spouse can leave you. You get kicked out of college. You lose your job. Like cheating is not a good thing, uh, psychologically speaking. So to, to kind of get rid of that word and just just not even say like, you're not cheating, you're just eating with intelligence. That's That's all we're doing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So um, as you can tell, we've focused a lot on nutrition in this episode. I think it's helpful because it's something that uh, a lot of people seem to uh, trip up on. Um, They think they could exercise away bad nutrition. So I just kind of wanted to break break it down a bit more with you and get your knowledge on that. Um, Now, just real quick, with your clients, about how many days a week would be the minimum of training for your clients?
0: On average, I would say my clients exercise four and a half days a week. The minimum programming that I require and the, what I actually write for people is two separate three-day-a-week programs, which pans out to cover the full four to five days that they actually do, in a nutshell.
1: Okay. And is it like, um, do you also include in there like a uh, leisure exercise, such as like walking?
0: No, cause that's not exercise. That's yeah. having fun. <laughs> if you go play tennis, enjoy it. We're not counting that as exercise. That's just you living life. And you know, we yeah. don't, we don't necessarily count the steps you take around your work every single day, even though your pedometer does, uh, yeah. you know, that's just part of life and, oops, excuse me, should be part of life and continue to be part of it, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't include extra hikes as part of my fitness. Uh, my wife and I went for a hike on Saturday at one of our favorite state parks, and it's just yeah. whatever. It's like going for a walk, you know, no yeah. big deal. So I don't <laughs> include it, but I do encourage it. You know, yeah. it's the reason we do what we do. Like we do, you know, we, uh, I do what I do, and I teach what I do, and all the people that I have, have the privilege of working with, we all do what we do for one very simple reason, so that we can get up on a Saturday and go for a hike. Yeah. So that we can get up on a Sunday and go play tennis so that we can show up on a, on a Friday night and hang out with our grandkids and chase them around the room so that we can be confident that in six, seven, eight months, whenever we give birth to our first child, we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not so much about the exercise and making sure that we're like, I got to get my exercise done. It's about just simply doing what you need to do to ensure that you can do what you want to do. Which is the joy of fitness, the joy of it's sustainable fitness, it's sustainable health, it's sustainable nutrition, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Soapbox done.
1: (laughs) Okay, Andy. So are there any tips, any fundamental tips you could give listeners regarding nutrition?
0: Absolutely. Uh, all, All these things that I've been talking about as far as nutrition and how I work with my clients, there are three things that my clients have to do in order for all of this to find success. Three simple things that we do. Once or twice a month, depending on the protocol, but we do it for long periods of time. One of my clients over 10 years now, we track water, foundation of who we are every single day. Pay attention to how much water you're drinking, whether it be an app or grabbing a big gallon jug, finish it, keep track of it. Just know, no set amount, just know. Second thing is some sort of nutrition log, use an app, use a piece of paper. It can be simple as I had breakfast, I had lunch, I had dinner. If that's where it starts, if eating is an issue, doesn't matter how simple it is. Begin logging your nutrition. And lastly, track your body composition and really try to, tra- try to track it objectively. It's not, we're not looking at this number so that we can judge ourselves on our progress. We're looking at this number so it becomes part of our greater data points that we can make decisions based off of in the future to ensure that we can hit the goals that we're looking to hit. Complete those three tasks, track your water, track your nutrition, and track your body composition on a regular basis for an extended period of time and you will be able to answer any questions you have about how you should be eating nutritionally.
1: That's excellent. <laughs> excellent way to summarize it. Is there a specific app that you use to log your nutrition?
0: Uh, I would say that my favorite app to use is MyFitnessPal. Uh, Their uh, nutrition on that is pretty dang good. Uh, does that hit MyFitness? Yeah, MyFitnessPal, I think, yeah. And There's then, also uh, yeah.
1: Livestrong at MyPlate. I don't know I've never used
0: either that. of those, but I oh, will okay. say that uh, my clients have used them and my clients have found success with them. I'm familiar with all those ones and I've seen them, but I've never personally used them, but I've never heard anybody say they're, they're terrible. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it because they have like, you know, restaurants and stuff. Can you remind listeners of uh, where they can find you online? And I'll also have the links in the description.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, the two easiest ways to find me is my YouTube channel, Unshakably Fit. I also have one called Unshakable Fitness, which is an older channel. So if you see that one, you can subscribe to it too. But the main one that I'm using nowadays is Unshakably Fit on YouTube. Okay. Uh, and of course, you can email me at unshakablyfit at gmail.com.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Andy, for joining me again. And I hope our listeners learned a lot from you as they did in the prior podcast. And uh, maybe you'll join me again and we can expand more on some other areas of your
0: expertise. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you for having me as always.
1: And that concludes this episode. Thank you for listening and remember to stay strong and well.